Hey, we're good. <clears throat> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Secret Language Podcast. It's been a week of Sundays since I last recorded, and I know that, and I apologize. Um, things have been a little... I say they've been a little weird for me, but not really. I've, I've started a new job, and I say I haven't found the time to record, but that's not true, because I work from home on Fridays, and I work half days on Fridays, which means I have more than enough time to record a podcast every week. But here we are. I'm, I'm doing it now anyways, so can't complain about that, right? Um, this is... This week, I'm going to talk about a film that I was going to record on one of those past seven or so weeks where I have not yet recorded, but... Uh, you know, better late than never, right? Like, this is still worth sitting talking about, so I'm going to share. Uh, this week, I'm going to be discussing the 2021 film directed by Celine Siyama, Petite Maman. Um, like I said, it was released last year, but it's just now getting its uh, theatrical release in America. That's because it's a French film. Um, it's got a average letterbox score of four stars even and it's got a whopping metacritic score of 93 so um doing pretty well with the critics um the synopsis for this is a little long but i'll read it just to give you guys an idea eight-year-old nelly has just lost her beloved grandmother and is helping her parents clean out her mother's childhood home. She explores the house and the surrounding woods where her mother used to play and where she built the treehouse Nellie has heard so much about. One day, her mother suddenly leaves. That is when Nellie meets a girl of her own age in the woods, building a treehouse. Um, yeah, that's that's the film. Uh, that's, that's pretty much the synopsis. Pretty much synopsis. I read it right off Letterboxd. I don't know why I'm talking that way. Um... Yeah, so let's just talk about what I liked about it. Um, for one thing, this this film is really aesthetically beautiful. It's shot very nicely. Like it's, it's just it's a real pleasure to look at. Like it's really really pretty. Um, and you know what? This it's it's not it's not a lighthearted movie, and it, in a way, it kind of is. But like it also deals with some pretty serious stuff, like you know, grief, dealing with the death of a loved one. And this film does that by telling the story through the eyes of a child, which I think is really interesting. You know, um, this is something that, that happens to children. They lose their grandparents, and, you know, I'm sure lots of people who are listening to this have, have lost one of their grandparents. I, I've been fortunate so far that I, I still have all four of mine. But it's going to happen to me someday. And I... Um, I don't know how to feel about that. That just took a downer of a moment. But, um... Yeah, it's a story about grief and, and dealing with that. And it, it tells that story through the eyes of a child. Which, like I said, is very interesting. Um, I guess there's not too much more to say about the story without kind of spoiling a significant portion of it. So... Uh, let's just get the other stuff out of the way before I spoil it, just to try to convince you to watch it before I spoil it, so that you don't just take the spoiler and, you know, say, thank you very much, but I don't really care. Um, 
it's cinematically really beautiful. It's really pretty. It's very it's very thoughtfully directed, which is really nice. Um, like it, you can tell that it it's very intentional, and someone spent a lot of time and a lot of care making this movie. And and you know part of it's they're they're acting with kids, but like it doesn't feel like the kids are bogging down the story. Like man, if these kids could just act better, you know, kids aren't good actors, so like sit here and complain about that. No, the the kids did a good job. Like it's it's very thoughtfully directed it's edited very well like the kids feel like real kids you know they don't feel like an adult that wrote a kid or whatever like it feels very authentic and very real which which adds you know so much depth to the story that you know may not be there but it's it's just lovely man i don't know what else to say it's just a real gem it's a real peach of a film i i i think it's a shame that this is not getting the kind of traction that I think it deserves. Like, like I said, it came out in 2021, which I believe makes it eligible for last year's Oscars. And, and of course it was not nominated for anything. In fact, the only reason I've even heard about it is because Karsten Runquist saw it. And I watched one of his videos. That's, you know, like what I watched last month and he named off this movie, said it was really great. And I was like, Hey, that sounds up my alley. Popped it on the watch list and turned out to be showing in a theater near me. And that's how I first saw it. And I saw it, was raving about it, and so then I watched it again with Sarah and fell in love with it a second time. It's just a lovely thing. So, uh, in an effort to keep this brief, I'm going to go ahead and give a minor, well, pretty major spoiler to this. So if you feel the need to see this with fresh eyes, maybe skip forward for a little bit and uh, pick up after the spoiler section. All right, you've been warned. Three, two, one. Um, so the child that Nellie meets in the woods, this friend that she she makes, uh, happens to be her own mother, right? Um, which the film does not, you know, really go out of its way to to like hide that. Like it's it's pretty clear, pretty immediately that like, oh, this is her mother. Like they share the same name. All these details line up, and they keep further driving that point home as the movie goes on and on. It just becomes clearer and clearer. It's not, it's not some revelation that I picked up, you know, reading between the lines. Like it's just very obviously Nellie's mother. Um, not to mention that the title of the film is Petite Maman, which in French means little mother. So. Like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, it's pretty straightforward. Um, which I think is really interesting. Like, that's that's a very classic question in my mind, at least the way that I think about it, that I, I, I've always wondered, you know, if I had known my dad when he was my age, you know, if, my, if I'd have met my dad when he was 24, would I have gotten along with him? You know, like, would we have been friends if my dad and I had met if we were the same age, you know, basically it's a simple question. Um, this movie kind of explores that except the kids are like eight. So like eight year olds make friends with like everybody for the most part. So like it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Uh, it's also a really interesting like vehicle for exploring this like story about grief. You know, Nellie's dealing with the loss of her grandmother and part of the way she, uh, interacts with that grief is through spending time with a version of her mother as a child which which means that she gets to view her grandmother 
uh, the way that her mom does, if that makes sense. So, like, she is getting to see her grandmother as a mother only, not as a grandmother, which, again, is an interesting vehicle to this. Um, also, the character of Nellie is kind of experiencing, like, a twofold grief, one with the grandmother and also with her mother kind of leaving. Um, the film does not make a big deal out of that. Um, I think it's pretty clear that it's a problem that Nellie is having, like a concern that she has. Uh, you know, Nellie's father in the film does not seem at all concerned with, you know, oh, is, is you know, is my wife going to come back? Like, it's like, oh, no, she's overwhelmed with the death of her mother and being in her childhood home, and she needs to be away for a little bit. And, like, they just, they let it end there, and that's fine. Like, they don't drag it out. But to an eight-year-old, it's scary, and it's challenging. And so she's kind of dealing with both of those griefs at the same time while while spending time with this new friend of hers which is really lovely like it's it's just really a sweet and and amazing little film i can't go on enough about it but um i think that is a really interesting vehicle to telling the story and i think that that adds a lot to it but i think the thing i respect most about it is that the film doesn't ask you to understand it like time travel and like multiverse and like all this stuff is like huge in storytelling right now Uh, not in small part because of marvel movies but like they this film does not ask you to understand it in in fact it, it does very little at all to explain to you how this works like how is it that you know nelly meets this eight-year-old version of her mother in the woods like how does it happen it, it doesn't try to explain it. It doesn't ask you to try to figure it out. It just just happens. And I think part of that is that it happens. The story is told from the perspective of an eight-year-old. And an eight-year-old is not going to ask you know, these big, huge questions. It's like, oh, this is a, a friend of mine. And like Nellie puts the pieces together. But she doesn't ask questions. She sits there and enjoys it and like makes the most of it, which just adds a lot to the story it's just really nice um i think that's really respectable because i think if you add this try to explain this supernatural element you'd really take away from the rest of the film which is really a shame so i'm glad they just they focused more on the emotion of the characters and telling the story and less about explaining it which is great so um that's kind of the end of the spoiler section uh, part of the reason I love this movie has less to do with the actual movie and what it represents. And I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. Um, I think that's really one of the things that draws me to this is not just that it's a well-made movie, like that's really great, but it's it's 72 minutes long, which is insanely short. Like when you say the number of minutes, it maybe sounds longer. It's an hour and 12 minutes. It is so short. Like there are Disney Channel movies that are longer than Petit Maman. But it is very carefully crafted. Like, you can tell that, like, a lot of work and effort was made into writing this, into making this. Like, it's a very high-quality film. Like I said, its Metacritic score is a 93. Like, it is exceptionally high. Like, it is a high-quality, well-made, really good film. And I love that. Like, of course, I love a good piece of actual well-made cinema like i i love good art like that's great that's awesome but 
what I really appreciate is that it tells the story it wants to tell and then it stops. I think that is a big problem just generally in storytelling. I think you can see it in, in a lot of places. A lot of movies would say, oh, this, this is, we got 72 minutes. We need more. Like, we're not going to spend all this money to make this film for only 72 minutes. We need a little bit more so that people will come see it or whatever. You know, people think that that's too short for a movie, and so they they add a bunch of fluff, or, you know, they, they try to do more than the story can really handle, and then all of a sudden you, you take away from the good stuff, right? You take away from the better part of the story. Um, this movie stands up, speaks up, and sits down, and, like, that's it. And, like, it says, I've got 72 minutes of good stuff for you, and after the good stuff is over, I, I'm done. We're going to roll the credits. Yeah, that's really great. Um, you know, like, I think of, like, the Fast and Furious movies, as far as, like, films go, as a good example of this. Like, they've made nine of those things. How? Why? Because they're successful and they make money. So they're just going to keep making up new stories and new little things just to keep making them. Just to keep, you know, s- just to keep selling. And, like, that's fine. But, you know, you're, you're taking away from what the original story was just by continuing to draw out these characters. I think that's a problem with a lot of like TV shows, for example, like you tell this story and like you've, you know, you've got this big overarching storyline, this big story arc and you complete the story arc, but now the ratings are really good. And so you don't want to stop. You want to keep making it, but now your story's over and you have to keep making stuff up and that stuff you're making up on the fly, like short term, is not as good as what you'd originally written. And so the quality just dips. Like there's a good example of that. Like I think of The Office as a good example. Like if I was scrolling through TV as if I had cable, imagine I have cable and I'm flipping through TV and The Office is on. If it is anything past season five, I'm probably not going to stop and watch it. Like once Michael Scott leaves The Office, once Steve Carell leaves The Office, like, the quality of the episodes, the quality of the show just takes a dive a little bit. And you, you kind of lose something, right? And, you know, I think a really positive example of this is Breaking Bad. Like, it is critically the most successful TV show ever. It was huge. Its ratings were through the roof. It was winning so many awards. Like, it was, and possibly is, like, the greatest television show ever made and it only had five seasons right they with as successful as it was they could have drawn it out for as many seasons as you know they could have wanted amc could have just kept would have just kept returning it you can keep coming back as long as you want to keep making this we will happily give you the money but they said nope this is our story and our story's over so we're done and they just stopped and I, I think I, I very much respect that. I, th- I love a story that that says what it wants to say and then just stops. And I think I think it's really respectable. And this film does that really nicely. Not to mention 72 minutes. I mean, you do not have to plan around that. Like it is easy to sit down and watch a movie that that's that length. Like it's just really convenient. Not gonna lie. I think the other thing I really appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciate about Petite Maman. Is that it's a PG movie. Um, it's a PG movie made for adults. 
and there just are not enough of those out there in the world today. Um, for some reason, there's this idea that, you know, like PG movies are made for kids, right? Like, you know, PG movies, parental guidance, like they're, they're made for kids. You know, they don't need to be, they don't have to be good. They just have to be for kids. And like, there's this, this whole idea that that honestly is just so wrong. It's so messed up in, in my mind. Like, why does a film have to have language, violence, sex, whatever to, to be good? Like the fact like that, that idea is so wrong and messed up. Like it's, it's just not true. And, and this film goes out of its way to prove it. Like it is a PG movie. You could recommend this and watch this with anyone and you wouldn't need to be embarrassed about it. Like it's just, it's just a good movie that is clean and wholesome and, and well told and well made. Like it's a brilliant film and it just doesn't have to have all of the, all the negative, all the bad stuff in it that, you know, other movies have. And I think that's really wonderful. Like, a good, wholesome movie. Like, who can argue with that? Like, why in the world are we not making more of these? Um, I just saw another one today. Funny enough, it's uh, not nearly as good as Petite Maman, but it's it's another PG movie for adults. It's wholesome. It's sweet. It's It's got some really great emotional moments. It tells a good story. It's called Brian and Charles. It's a silly little comedy, but like, 90 minutes, PG, made for adults. Like, come on. I mean, that checks every box. It's wonderful. I think we need more stories like that. Um, you know, like, and I think people are, studios in particular, are, like, really afraid of making a PG movie that's not for kids. Like, I think an example, a little fun fact about the movie The Princess Bride is that it it was generally, like, its first script, its first draft, it was a going to be, like, a rated G film. And the studio was concerned that people were not going to go out of their way to see this live-action rated G film that just wasn't for kids. Like, just why would someone go see that, right? Like, it's a film that's supposed to be, like, this adventure with, you know, sword fights and torture and, like, all this adventure and, like, this, this, this so much stuff. But if it's rated G, it's going to be so sanitized that, like, you know, it's what's the point? Which... It's kind of like circular reasoning based on everything I just said, but you know, people were the studio was afraid that no one was going to go out of their way to see this rated G film, and so they added just just a little bit of language. Like there's the Inigo Montoya line at the end, you know, I I want my father back, you son of a gun, and um, that was just enough to give it a PG rating, and as far as the studio was concerned, that'd be just enough to get people to see it, which. You know, I don't think you need to do that. Like, if, if this is the story you want to tell and you you want to... And if, and if that story just happens to be rated G, like, great. Good for you. But I, the point is, I would love to see more just wholesome PG films for adults. You know, it doesn't have to be a kid's movie, but it it doesn't have to be filthy. Like, it can be clean and wholesome at the same time. Like, it, it can happen. Those stories can't exist. So... Yeah, I think of, like, old movies, for example. Like, it's the same thing. Like, obviously, someone like Alfred Hitchcock was, like, really controversial in his time. 
But like today, you could show pretty much any Alfred Hitchcock movie and it's still a PG today. Like really, they're not gruesome. They're not foul. They're not filled with language and sex and all this stuff. Like they're PG movies. And that's what I love about old movies because they're wholesome, but they can also be really brilliant and really good without all, all, the, all the bad stuff. So I don't know. I loved Petite Maman, and I make it, I try to make it a rule that on this podcast, I review a film that is, like, free to stream somewhere so that you as listeners can watch this, and I'm not, like, making it difficult for you to watch the movies that I talk about. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't do that with this one. I just, this movie is too good, and I I love it so much, I had to say something about it, but it, it is only available for rent on Amazon, it's still a cheap rental for a new movie. Like, it's five bucks. Like, it's really not bad at all. But it's something I really recommend you you check out. So, I'd love if, you know, you guys watch it, form your own opinion, log it on Letterboxd. Like, I just had a good friend of the pod and fellow listener, uh, Jeremy Jones, he just hopped on Letterboxd. That is dope. Made my day to see him on there. Um, so, watch this movie. It, it's well worth your time. As far as like quality of cinema per minute, it might be one of the best movies ever made. At least as far as that metric goes. But it's really great. I think you'd really like it. That's all I've got to say. Like I said, it's been several weeks since I recorded, so uh, the Watford news has, has gone from dismal to, to, to worse, I guess. Uh, in the, the following, the, the final weeks of the Premier League season did not go well. Lost a whole lot of games. Uh, Watford did get relegated, we fired our coach, hired a new guy, and now we're just kind of semi-patiently awaiting the news about who's who's leaving the club, and hopefully who's who's going to be joining it, who's staying, who's going, who are our new signings, our new players, so it's kind of exciting. The, the beginning of the league championship starts the last weekend of July, it's like July 30th, uh, just for clarification, for those of you that are not familiar with uh, English football, the second tier, you know, the, the league below the Premier League, is called the Championship, which is strange because it indeed is not the, 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 the highest competition in England. So it's a little funny, but not the Premier League, second best league, still called the Championship, what have you. Go Watford, am I right? So... I don't know, just thought I'd record something real quick and share with you since I'd seen this film and I felt really strongly about it and I want you guys to see it. So, that's all I got. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with me despite my uh, irregularity with this podcast. Love you guys and until next time.